Ballast Office in Lexington, Kentucky. Welcome to The Ballast Life, a series of conversations highlighting respected professionals, community leaders, and important topics that are necessary to achieving financial cohesion. John Boardman, CEO of Ballast, joined today by Andy Reynolds, our Chief Operating Officer. And we just wanted to have a little discussion today about 2022, now that it's over, kind of put a bow on it. Uh, not necessarily the present we all asked for last right. year, but uh, thought we could share some of our thoughts about how markets behaved last year, uh, a little bit uh, about some of the economic data and how it's uh, evolved over the last 12 months, and then looking at 2023 and how we think things are going to play out. So. Kind of hand it to you and let you make a sure. few points. Yeah, so let's kind of start looking backwards and, and work our way forward. Um, and, and I have some data points here for everybody, but I think the one thing that we get the most questions about is, you know, it feels like things around a lot of our clients are still good and, and you know, their family and friends, like things are still going well. Starting to hear stories of layoffs and whatnot, but a lot of the times we get these questions of why is the market doing what it's doing? So I think one important point just to start out with as a reminder is the market's always trying to project forward. So the market is always trying to price in what the next 12, 24 and longer months will look like. So when you look at today's data that came out today on Friday, uh, unemployment numbers are 3.5%. That's, that's strong. GDP, Q4 GDP estimate of 3.8%. So decently good numbers, but then when we start looking at the performance and, and really all indices down double digits from last year, if you look at the S&P down 18%, the aggregate bond index down 13%, international down 14%, emerging markets down 22%, there's nowhere to hide. And so there's been a lot of questions of, well, well why is the market doing what it's doing when you know, a lot of economic data, especially through 2022, still looked okay. Um, and, and so we'll talk a little bit about that today. I think one thing to, to really point out that was really interesting, and the data on this, I don't have a strong statistic, but I think if we look back by lots of different measures on 2022, it will be one of the top 10 most volatile years. Mm -hmm. So if you look at just 1% moves in S&P 500, up 1% or down 1%, we had 122 trading days out of 251 trading days. That was over a 1% move, so almost half of the days throughout the year. You know, I remember doing uh, talks back in the financial crisis and it was like 50 trading days and that felt like a ton. So last year was definitely an interesting year for the markets and, and it definitely kept a lot of attention focused on what was going on, not just in the domestic equity market, but really anywhere that you were looking to put money. There was a lot of moving parts. Yeah, I mean, I think that volatility is exactly a measure of uncertainty. I mean, the markets each day, and we've seen it driven by headlines more so than we have in a number of years where uh, it could be some sort of economic data point that comes out or a news story about a specific company or something that Jerome Powell said. Um, when markets are reacting to news like that, it tells you that there is not a great deal of consensus on uh, where the markets should go from here and really what are the underlying economic conditions that we should expect sort of moving forward. I, I think the big change that we've seen 
vividly uh, over the last 12 months is with short-term interest rates uh, moving up as quickly as they have, uh, the cost of capital uh, going up, uh, you've seen a lot of speculative investments you know, lose a lot of their luster. And so we've seen um, you know, high-tech firms that weren't profitable trading at high valuations. I mean, those names have absolutely been ravaged, 90% off in many cases. Right. Um, value, profitability, cash flow, sort of the solid fundamentals of companies, I think, are being uh, favored more than they have in a number of years. I actually look at that as a positive for the markets to actually get back to some of the fundamentals uh, that I think it's abandoned uh, over the last few years. Uh, and then the other big change, um, and I know we're going to talk about this, is just the Fed. Right. Uh, you know, the Fed is fighting this inflation battle, and it is, uh, it's a difficult battle because they have to make moves today in expectation of what inflation is going to look like 12 and 18 months from now. And there's uh, a lot of historic data that would tell us that the Fed's behavior today or any time isn't really felt in the economic data for a period of 12 to 24 months. So prescribing medicine today for a problem down the road is, is a challenge. And um, I think for so long, really, uh, if you could honestly say the last 40 years, uh, the Fed has been sort of a friend because they have continually cut interest rates uh, in the face of sort of poor economic data. Now we are in a world where the Fed is increasing rates to create poor economic data. Uh, they actually want unemployment to go up. They want housing prices to come down. They want to bring inflation down, most importantly, but they know the only way to do that is that they have to negatively impact the economy. So it's a battle, I think, that the markets are really uh, having a hard time digesting sort of how long they'll go, how high they'll go with rates. Um, there are some encouraging signs that inflation has hopefully peaked and we're moving in the right direction. A lot of economists are projecting that we should see decreases through the spring at least and hopefully get to some, it'll be higher than what we've been accustomed to in recent years, but much better than the 9% we were seeing at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and I think you know it's an interesting time because if you look back to just after the financial crisis, really for many years to come after the financial crisis, it was really this bad news is good news type of story. So if we saw economic data that wasn't promising, it was good for the market because that Fed put or the easy money, meaning you know, it was, it was easy to borrow and the Fed was there to help support the market. That was always there. So there'd be really bad economic data that got released and the market would go up one, two percent that day. So now we're seeing the opposite. And, and a lot of people are saying, well, why would the Fed ever do that? Why are we doing this to ourselves? And it's a really, to your comments, it's a hard process to do because what the Fed's trying to do is keep things stable. So stable doesn't always mean the best economic situation out there because if you think of peaks and troughs what what the Fed's trying to avoid is this big massive economic growth followed by a big massive economic downturn so if we can the the business cycle the economic cycle the stock market cycle it's it's going to go up and down and that's normal um, but if we can keep those troughs and peaks more on a, a straight line, then far less long-term and true damage is done than if we just have a little bit of economic hardship or you know a good good economic growth, but not just this booming economy. Yeah, because that's when people start to take more massive risks and, and can really make poor decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it really is a perfect storm for the Fed right now that they're having to deal with. Uh, I was reading a. Uh, 
a uh, economic survey talking about housing, and there is a definitive shortage of housing in this right. country. Uh, estimated somewhere between two to six million homes that we're short for the demand that's out there. What supply and demand? We know how that works. Supply is low, prices are going to go higher. Well, that's a problem if you're a young person, young family trying to buy a home. Post financial crisis, we've actually seen a crash in the number of houses built under 1,400 square feet. Yeah. So, starter homes, as most people would call those, rarely even exist. They haven't been built since the financial crisis. So, we run into that. We have COVID, and I still believe we're seeing the lingering effects of that. You can drive by a car lot today and still see. There are not a lot of cars on the lot. That has a lot to do with chip supply. Uh, and then we also are, are just running into um, this, you know, we've had this wave of capital that has come into the economy because of low interest rates over the last 10 plus years. And all of those factors have collided, I think, into more money, chasing fewer goods and services. Again, supply and demand, it's pretty straightforward. So that can take a while to work out. The Fed's only way of doing that is just slowing the economy down as much as possible. But getting back to the housing topic, that's a difficult factor for them, a difficult issue for them to solve because by increasing interest rates, they've more or less frozen the real estate market right now. I mean, the transactions have plummeted. Yeah. I was talking to someone that owns a title company and he was just saying that, you know, the number of transactions is dramatically lower than it was a year ago. And uh, really the only impact or change since then has been rates. And, and you know, it's funny, just not getting too far on a tangent, but you're seeing lenders now who are getting really creative with some of their loans mm -hmm. and, and even marketing HELOCs and, re, and, and refinances probably aren't happening Arms now. Arms and balloons. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting time economically um, and, and, you know, really just from a consumer standpoint as well, uh, behavioral changes, you know, we saw consumption during COVID shift dramatically where we were accumulating stuff, doing stuff at home, fixing up stuff. And then we went to services and, and people over the past couple of years have been doing all these fun things. And, and so now, I, you know, if I were to put a word on 2023, the big word is uncertainty. It's just yeah. where do we go from here? Yeah. How does the Fed react to your comment on you don't see the Fed's impact for quarters or years? is the Fed going to accept that? Or are they gonna be so focused on the data? And there's a lot of debate of what the Fed's doing is right, wrong, were they too late? You know, we'll leave that for another conversation. But, you know, really it's just uncertainty, I think. So if you look at what people should be doing today, it's really if, if you have a part of your portfolio that you may need, or if you have a thing that you may need to be doing in the near term, we, we really wanna be focusing on that. and and retesting plans and, um, you know, thinking about liquidity events. Um, you know, I, I think also, as we've always said, there's good planning opportunities, not just in up markets, not just in down markets, but anywhere along those two things. Um, there's always opportunities to make good decisions, to make good planning. Um, in an uncertain economy, shouldn't stop us from, from still seeking out, making the best possible decisions at any time. Right. You know, I think if we look at 2023, uncertainty definitely is a term uh, I think that is, you know, perfectly classifies sort of the general attitude of the markets and the economic analysts today. There is not a lot of consensus. I think recession is a term that's being thrown out pretty regularly. I think we're probably hearing those 
that term being said by people who wouldn't normally be concerned by it. I think it's just sort of in the air. Everyone just assumes that we're going towards a recession. And we've said this a number of times, but you know, a recession is not something that you should fear or feel like that you need to sidestep because unfortunately it is just part of the natural business cycle and the economic cycles that we go through. The magnitudes of recessions obviously can, can be severe or quite minor and almost indiscernible. Uh, so we won't know until it's over uh, how severe it, it will be if we have one at all. I think there is still some debate out there. I mean, we're, as you said, we're still seeing some positive economic data. These are sort of weird, this is a weird recipe that we have right now to create a recession. But the belief is don't fight the Fed and the Fed is sort of trying to throw us into a poor, poor economic environment. But from an investor standpoint, my gosh, I mean, so many people, uh, and this is what we see in the retail community where people are making bad decisions in the face of fear. They create that short-term comfort and they're missing out on that long-term opportunity because they're they're selling because things are volatile and they're uncomfortable. And unfortunately, as a long-term investor, a little bit of discomfort, it's just sort of part of the process. And if you look back at most recessions, when you're in the worst of it, that typically tends to be the best time to be an investor. No question. So being disciplined, staying the course, having a plan that you understand, even now preparing for liquidity, you know, all those things I think are so important to allow you to be disciplined. and. When you finally know you're in the recession and you feel that you're in the recession, everyone around you knows you're in the recession, that is a natural time to want to pull back and protect what you have. That's also probably the best. Greatest the opportunity investment. probably lies ahead. Right. So. Right. Well, we just want to thank you all for joining us today. We could go on for hours, as you could tell, on these topics, but uh, we really appreciate you listening in. And uh, if you want to read any of our commentaries, we write regularly on economic topics, ballastplan.com. We house all of our commentaries there as well as our Athenium uh, book on various financial planning topics. Uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. Take Thank care. Thank you.